This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. As parents, you have to let your children test the boundaries, learn the boundaries, know when they say, you know what, mom, I need a little bit more Instagram today. You know what, mom, I've had too much Instagram today. And that's where they're learning. It's all a learning process. I know I watched a ton of television as a child. Right. And my husband will say the same thing. He watched a ton of television as a child and we turned out okay. And I'm not saying like, oh, we turned out okay. I'm not saying it like that. I'm saying like, but we learned our boundaries. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my co-host, the lovely Brie Tucker. Why, hello, hello, everybody. How are you? <laughs> it's it's a lovely, lovely morning here as we're gearing up for the Happy Mom Summit, which uh-huh. is in just a few uh-uh. weeks. Uh-uh. People can't see me dancing. They just hear me making weird noises. I'm dancing. Uh-uh, uh, it is uh-uh. our biggest event of the year. So if you have not got your tickets yet, you can get it right in the link below. And our guest today, Tara Clark, is a speaker in the summit. So you'll get to hear more from her. Before we get into it, though, Bree and I have something to ask you. Can you take a few seconds and rate and review the podcast? It really, really helps us out and it helps get the podcast out to more moms, get the message out for more moms. Uh, So if you can just take a few minutes, do that. We love it. We will shout you out on air with all the thanks in the world. It really, really means a lot. And with that, we're excited to introduce you to our guest today, Tara Clark. Tara Clark is the founder of Modern Mom Probs, host of the Modern Mom Probs podcast, and author of the book by the same name. She helps moms find solutions for their modern mom problems and is a speaker, like we said, at our 2024 Happy Mom Summit, as well as Alt Summit and Mom 2.0 this spring. So we hope you enjoy our conversation with Tara and really listen to it. We get into those guilt-inducing topics. Screen time, we break it down exactly what we do. You're going to feel a lot better after you hear it. And 
what you feed your kids, which I could go on forever and ever about. And we take the shame out of that part. We take the shame out. So we hope you enjoy our conversation with Tara. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Tara. It's always a joy to get to talk to you, and uh, we're just going to have some fun during this show. So welcome, welcome. Let's do it. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be with both of you. I love your podcast. It's called Modern Mom Problems because there are so many problems affecting moms today. What do you think are the biggest mom problems that you're seeing right now? You know, it's funny because there are so many. And then when I tell people about my show or what I do, and they're like, oh gosh, yes, I have so many. So people always agree and they vouch for that as well. And I'll give you a little bit of a background. When I first started the account and I was talking about modern mom problems, I was doing it very tongue in cheek and very like first world problems because there was also an Instagram account called first world problems. And so and maybe it was also a Twitter account at the time because that's how long ago this was where people were making light of things. But as my account evolved and as I was doing it longer, I wasn't just talking about running out to Target and getting lattes. I started then talking about maternal mental health and postpartum depression and infertility and miscarriage and all other things that do fall under the umbrella of modern mom problems. And so now here we are all these years later talking about both light things and more serious. And so anything that falls underneath that umbrella of a modern mom problem, we're going to talk about it. See, I love that. And there's so many problems that I've realized that people just don't talk about. And then when it happens in your own life that you see so much fear about it. Like we saw it today in um, our balance community where somebody was talking about how their partners get really upset if the house isn't completely clean. Oh, don't get me started on that one. (laughs) And so then they feel it's their job to keep the house clean. And I commented on that and I'm like, no, no, that's your partner's job if he's upset. And like all these other women were commenting on it too. And she said, you know what? I I didn't realize that I wasn't the only one struggling with this issue. And just stuff like that and bringing like problems like this out to the surface. Have you seen anything recently that you saw that just made people feel less alone by talking about these issues? Yeah. I mean, gosh, like where do we even begin with this? I mean, I'm serious because there's so many things. Like, you you know, you asked me as the first question is like, you know, what are some of the the modern mom problems, right? It's it's things like the mental load of motherhood, Mm -hmm. which obviously Mm -hmm. that story falls underneath that. It's loneliness. It's social media comparison. It's screen time with our kids. It's what to feed our children. There's so many things that unite all of us that we are all going through to one degree or another. And and those are the modern mom problems that we have right now. But going back to the mental load of motherhood, yeah, that is a huge one. And until people started putting a label to it and sharing their own stories, we didn't realize that we weren't the only ones going through that because that's stuff that's happening in the privacy of your own home. And until now that people are inviting other people into their homes via social media 
and that we get to see insights and say, oh, wait a second, that's not how it is in everyone's mm-hmm. house that I have to constantly clean up after my partner and my children. You go, wait a second. And, and bringing that level of awareness changes everything. I say this all the time for all kinds of things, for kids stuff and adult stuff and parenting stuff. It's like, it all starts with awareness. And I think the mental load of motherhood is a huge, huge thing. Well, I think a big thing you yeah. just said there too is about putting a label on it. Like I am a huge proponent of helping find diagnoses, helping find labels to things because it's that nameless nagging feeling that really isolates you because then you you don't know how to verbalize it to other people and you just and that's what just perpetuates the whole thought process of oh it's just me it's just my messed up head it's just my messed up feelings i'm just being too sensitive i'm just not i'm the only one who doesn't have it together but that label helps it so much and i love how mental load is becoming such a big thing in social media lately but also just being able to say so tongue in cheek of like it's a modern mom problem it's a it's a thing because if I try to talk to my mom about something and be like, did you ever feel like you had too much on your plate and that da da da, and my mom comes back and is like, no, no, it was just it was just a blessing to have you all and I was able to, and you're like, ah, <laughs> you're like because okay, <laughs> like I'm so excited I can't even get the word out. Um, I'm like. <laughs> No, I was talking with actually my mother-in-law and I was talking about like this mental load thing. And she came back with a comment that was very similar to that. It was like, yep, yeah, it's a lot to juggle. But like I see it is that generation. Like that generation was told that, hey, like you don't share your inside home life with the outside world. Yeah, That is a private matter that is not to be shared, that's not to be discussed, that is something that you handle from within the family. And I think something that's different with what we're doing things now is that we don't even care. Like we don't, <laughs> we're like, we're done. We're done with this crap. Like we saw our moms go through it. We see exactly what happened when we left the house and our moms no longer had kids to care for on a regular basis. And what happened with that? And I think we're just at the point, like, and I'm, I'm proud of our generation for doing this and for bringing this out to the surface. And like what you said, Brie, with the vocabulary, it reminds me of uh, human giver syndrome. And I think I've talked with you about this before, Tara. Have I, have I, ta- have I mentioned this no. to you too? Tara? No, let's talk about it. Okay. So human giver syndrome, it is from a book called Burnout by Emily and Amelia Nagoski. Oh, yes. And- I knew that sounded familiar. I was like, I've read yes. that book. And so I vaguely, yeah, we did talk about that. Yeah, but having that vocabulary of all of us women basically feeling that we need to give, 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 give to everybody else, give to our family, give to our our partners. And in my life recently, like my husband's been working like 15-hour days and I've been in charge of everything at home and being the CEO of a company and trying to run that as well, I am gived out. Like I'm gived out so much so that when you want to be like affectionate to the people around you, when my husband comes and he's all affectionate, I'm like, I can't like, and I told him that I'm like, because I had the vocabulary I have give to everybody else. I just want to be the one to relax and just receive what people give me and have somebody take care of me for once. And I cannot give anymore at this moment. Yeah. And yeah. So I think having the vocabulary is so important. It's so important because otherwise we just suffer literally in silence. And I say literally because there is no word to describe that that feeling that we have. It's important to to be able to talk about these things. Because then at least if we have this, we're all on the same page of talking with the same 
phrase and same terms and you go, oh, you feel like that? Oh, I feel like that. Oh, you feel like that? Oh, we feel like that. And and so then that's where it builds the camaraderie. It does. Mm-hmm. And that building of the camaraderie is also what helps make it okay. Because when you're just saying it with like, let's say you have vocabulary and let's say it's like, I am feeling burnt out, right? I'm feeling burnt out and overwhelmed and like I've given everybody in my family and nobody is giving back to me. Do you feel like that? Now, if somebody were to say that to you and you don't really know this person or like whatever, you you, you might be like, I don't know if I want to get that deep with this person right away. But the fact that we're sharing it more in our means that we have, our modern means, which is like mainly social media, podcasts, all of these kinds of avenues, it normalizes it more and it makes it less scary to admit to people that we might not know as our besties that, yeah, I'm feeling like I'm drowning. I'm just, I'm drowning mm-hmm. and I need somebody to throw me a lifeline here. Yeah. yeah. Well, there were two modern mom problems, Tara, that you mentioned before, the screen time and the what we feed our kids. And I want to get into that right after this break. Hey, all it is Joanne and Bree here. And we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. Shout out to Clarendon for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Hey guys, Brie here. And let me tell you, April is a killer time of the year for me because it is crazy allergy season. I swear, everything that is in bloom looks fantastic and beautiful, but it makes it so I can't breathe. I am literally coughing, sneezing, rubbing my nose. I look like Rudolph half of the spring. It's terrible. But luckily for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies like I do, we live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can finally breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine is the best decongestant available. It relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I absolutely love it. It is the only allergy medicine that works for me. So if you're ready to live life as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just one quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. 
In terms of screen time, like this is a huge guilt issue for parents. And I think that <laughs> we let's talk about this. And I want to talk about exactly like how screen time looks in our homes and be totally transparent because people know. need to <laughs> people need to hear this. People need to hear this. I'll go first. I will go first. So in my home, my daughter, she's 15. She has screen time limits on her phone that she actually requested. I originally took them off for high school. And then my daughter, we talk about mental health and everything like that. And she noticed that hers were it was going down the longer she spent on her screen. And so she requested me to put them back on for Instagram and she'll, it's an hour and she'll come to me and she'll be like, mom, can I have more time? <laughs> and, and I'll give it to her then. But she likes that. My son has two hours a day to play on Minecraft and Roblox, which he does usually FaceTime with his friends and playing it at the same time. And he'll come to me and he'll be like, so can I have, have some more? And I'm like, yeah, most of the time it's a yeah, unless there's a nagging chore. And if he can't have more screen time, he usually goes and watches YouTube flight videos. I mean, this the boy has a lot of screen time. And I don't know what I would do as a parent without it. And I do not regret it. And I do not see any ill effects from it on his end. It's, it's a lot. And it's going okay in our house. I could follow up on that one saying yeah, follow very similar. Yeah, I will. Very similar. So I have an 11-year-old son. And he also plays Roblox with his friends on FaceTime. So he has it on his iPad and he talks with his friends on, on FaceTime. And yeah. we actually don't have limits in our house, but that's come out over the course of working through it. And now mm -hmm. we've gotten to the point where we say, okay, you have 10 more minutes, five more minutes, finish up. He does. And now he just says to his friends, okay, I have to go in five minutes. And like, it used to be a struggle and it used to be a fight. Mm -hmm. And now the way that we've worked it out, he respects it. He respects those boundaries. And so thank goodness. And so going back to YouTube, he also loves watching YouTube, but he's really <laughs> recently got into anime. So we've been watching a lot of anime lately too. I remember anime was a big thing in my high school. Like I had a group of friends who loved anime. And it's a bigger thing still. Yeah. We're watching a show called One Piece, which has a thousand episodes. And we're currently on episode like, Whoa. I don't know, 220. Uh, oh, so it's, it's a lot. It's yeah, a but lot. they're shorter too though, right? They're not like – Yes, they, yeah, they're short episodes. It, it's about 20 minutes. Yes, exactly. So screen time is something that is a bit of an issue. Sometimes my husband will get – annoyed that my son's still on the computer and he's still talking to his friends. But then on the flip side, we're happy that he's socializing. He's not in his room by himself doing that. I should also say that when he's playing, he's always in a common space in our house. Mm -hmm. He's either in the kitchen or in the dining room or in the living room. We're all near each other. We all can listen in on his conversation because his friends are screaming on the iPad. Uh <laughs> Yeah. So there's that. So like we're monitoring what's happening and, and we do that by, by choice. And so we're obviously very intentional in our parenting. And over time, we've gotten more and more intentional with the screen time and, and letting him know his boundaries, like I said. And yeah. so, I mean, are there days where he plays longer than others? Yes, absolutely. And are there days where we do have to step in and say, okay, come on, let's go do something productive or go outside. And even if we ever say to him, let's do something productive. You know what? He, he comes back to us and he says, but what I'm doing is productive because I'm spending time with my friends or we're working on a project together and we have a goal that we're working towards. So in his mind, he, he sees it as productive. Yeah. 
It's true. It yeah. is. I mean, it's really our adult opinion about productivity that is getting to it. Because also, like, I envy them. They're just having fun. And I've gotten to the point in my adult life where I have a really hard time just having fun because it's been so ingrained in me that I need to use every moment and be as productive as possible. So it's interesting. It's interesting about productivity. What about you, Brie? So mine are older. My oldest is almost, he turned 17 in a couple of weeks. And uh, my youngest will be 16 this summer. And I'm also divorced. And my kids spend half with me, half with their dad. And their mobile devices are split between the two of us. Like his dad was in charge of getting my son a mobile device and I was in charge of getting our daughter a mobile device. So my daughter has an Apple iPhone that that's with us in our Apple group. And then my son has a Google with Google phone with his dad and Android. So I don't have the ability to put any limits on my son's phone with an account. I do with my daughter, but... It also makes it harder when they're not with us and they ask for like permissions. So in the very beginning, we we toyed with the idea, but it didn't really work out. They've always had free reign of screens. I'll be honest with you, like and it, because of the way that that piece works. And I'm literally just talking about their phones for the most part. But then you also have two different homes with two different households with two different setups and and value systems. Like I'll I'll admit our two households are fairly different. So when they're here. They use the screen time as they need. And like you guys just said, I noticed that for my son, he uses it for school. And then that's his enjoyment time. That's his time that he gets to connect with his friends because having two parents that live in two different parts of the city that have, that they've been at different schools, he has friends from all over, that it's not possible for him to get face-to-face with them between all of his other extracurriculars. So he does that. Now, does he use it more than I want? Yes. And Joanne, no, she's heard me complain plenty about it where it's like, and his his uh, computer is in his room because of the way that our house is set up. So it is a bit of a pull to get the 17-year-old out of there. But I do feel like for the most part, he's responsible. And if I ask him, I tell him like, it's important to me that we spend time together. I let him know in advance what my plans are for the day. Like, hey, I really want to spend tonight together. So try to be done by six so that we can hang out tonight. And he'll do it. He'll he'll maybe mumble and shuffle his feet and roll his eyes, but he'll do it. And then my daughter, she has TikTok, she has Instagram, she has all of that. And she, I have noticed sometimes when she was on it too much, seeing some negative mental health as well. So like we've talked about that and I think she's getting better. But I think part of it too, I mean, if I could go back and do it differently, I probably would figure out some better way to do do limits. But I do think that part of it is them learning how to work with this, right? Because in our generation, like it's so, it blows my mind when I think about what my parents have been through. Having a radio at first and then moving into just television in general and then moving into like the technology we have now, right? Our kids are, they have to learn how to work with this technology. They have to learn the limits of it because it's going to be there the rest of their lives. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I don't feel like you can just take the technology away or set limits. Like it's a learning process for sure. It's definitely an open dialogue. I think that the open dialogue is the key in this. And now, granted, we won't know. Now, talk to me in 20 years. We can flash forward and see how well adjusted my kids are or aren't. <laughs> but I think that this conversation with them constantly is the best thing that we can do. It a thousand percent is. It, it, the whole open dialogue is really the key. I had a really interesting guest on my podcast one day, and she was telling me a story 
about her college roommate had cases of Coca-Cola from the floor to the ceiling because her parents, when she lived in her parents' home before college, wouldn't allow her to have soda. So she went the total opposite spectrum and had cases and cases of of Coca-Cola. And so we were talking about this in response to the screen time. And she said, as parents, you have to let your children test the boundaries, learn the boundaries, know when they say, you know what, mom? I need a little bit more Instagram today. You know what, mom? I've had too much Instagram today. And and that's where they're learning. It's all a learning process. I know I watched a ton of television as a child. Right. And my husband will say the same thing. He watched a ton of television as a child. And we turned out okay. And I'm not saying like, oh, we turned out okay. I'm not saying it like that. I'm saying like, but we learned our boundaries. If I watched too much television and, and I was sick of watching Muppet Babies, guess what? I shut off Muppet Babies and then I went to go play with my dolls. And <laughs> that's what I did. The Muppet, Muppet Babies theme song babies, just started going through my head. Yep, exactly. For you. <laughs> like that. I love that you well, still know the song, Brie. <laughs> every day, every morning. That was my thing. That was my jam. <laughs> I loved Muppet Babies. Oh my goodness. Well, the cases of the Coke actually really go in well to talking about what we feed our kids. I feel like this is another modern mom problem. And we're going to do that right after this. You have probably heard me talk about my dog, Addie, before. And when we first got her, we didn't know that she was a counter surfer. Now, counter surfing animals are the ones who jump on counters, especially kitchen counters, when you're not looking and take stuff off of them. Well, in this instance, Addie had jumped onto the kitchen counter and eaten an entire bottle of my other dog's pain medication. You can imagine the freak out that ensued from me. So imagine this. You're at the vet's office again, knowing that vet care costs continue to rise. You're anxiously waiting to hear how expensive the bill will be. But If you had pet insurance, your pet could be covered for accidents or illnesses. That's why you should check out ASPCA Pet Health Insurance. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care that they may need. They allow you to customize the plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash no guilt. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash no guilt. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash no guilt. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself... What is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. 
So I really wanted to touch on this subject about what we feed our kids because it is such a guilt-ridden subject for me, so much so that when we have guests that come on the podcast, I will like outwardly almost fight them on food-related things. Like I have to hold myself back. Okay. I want to hear more about this. You have to like refresh my memory on this. Like, really? Okay. This sounds juicy. No pun intended. I'll be a little more abrasive than I usually will. Oh, she knows exactly. Brie knows exactly what I'm talking about. And I will counter every single argument because, okay, so first of all, I I had an eating disorder when I was in high school. I was bulimic. And it was actually something I just told my mom like a year ago. So I feel I feel free making this out public. Everybody in my life knows that this happened. And I have a tendency to really concentrate on food. So much so like I went on a macro counting thing last year and I had to drop it in the middle of the year because all my thoughts were of food. All the time. And I could not get it out of my head just because that's how my brain is wired. So whenever we talk about food, it becomes a very, very charged subject for me. And in fact, I don't want my kids to have that same reaction. So that when somebody comes on, oh, you should feed your kids natural ingredients and do as much home cooking as possible. Immediately, I'm like, (gasps) yeah, okay. (laughs) Like, because I'm trying to guard everyone against that raising kids who constantly think about food and label some foods as bad, like Coca-Cola, and some foods as good because it could really, really cause problems in the future. In terms of what I feed my kids, like we'll take breakfast, for instance. My daughter eats those cornbread packets. That's her breakfast. That's all she wants for breakfast. That's what she likes. And so she eats cornbread. And my son is right now doing Chobani flips. That's his favorite. (gasps) So is Audrey. That's her favorite right now. What's his flavor? He he's trying all of them right okay. now. <laughs> and he's trying to figure it out. She's a starch basi- cookie dough one. That's hers, man. Oh, but it's basically good. like yeah. very similar to candy yeah. if you followed natural food advice. And you still feel like that influx of guilt, but you also feel that, hey, like they're gonna eat our main responsibility. Get them that calories. It's gonna be okay. Yeah. It's gonna yes. be okay. That's my mantra too. I definitely am in the camp of get them calories any way you can. My son is very slim and I just need to get him to eat calories so that he doesn't fall underweight. It's interesting. I was always feeling guilty about that. And when we go to the pediatrician, I'm worried that they're going to tell me he's underweight. He's actually not. He's exactly where he needs to be. But the pediatrician said, Tara, don't worry. You have no idea how many conversations a day I have with parents because obesity is an issue and you're worried about keeping weight on him. He's like, don't give yourself unnecessary guilt and stress. You know, if he's thriving and he's growing and he's developing, don't worry that you think he's under the curve because he's not. And so there is so much guilt both ways, either ways. And could my son eat healthier? Yes. You know, did I start him out eating organic blueberries and all of that kind of stuff? And now does he eat whatever? Also, yes. You know what? When he was a baby, we have this ongoing joke that he used to go through a pint of blueberries, organic blueberries a day. So we said he had a pack a day habit of blueberries. <laughs> and so we were like, oh, he, he's a pack a day. And it's true. I mean, at one point in his life when he was a baby, we were blowing through money because, you know, berries are expensive. Oh, God, yeah. Organic organic. Or, organic blueberries were like super expensive. Now he won't even touch a blueberry. Couldn't get him to touch a blueberry if I tried. 
and so obviously tastes change, yeah. preferences change. But at the end of the day, is he eating? Yes. Is he starting to now open up his repertoire of what he will try? Also, yes. He got to a point where he was probably three, four years old. He became a very selective eater. Mm-hmm. And he only would eat certain things. All the classic kid things. Pizza, chicken nuggets, french fries. Goldfish. Were goldfish in there too? Tons. Oh, God, yes. Those have crack in them, I swear. Something. They, they, there is something in them. Because it happens to me. I'll have a handful. I'm like, oh, then I'm like fiending for them. So there's definitely something. It's not just the kids. I don't know. It's so much salt. It's like all the salt. All the so salt good. is like, so ah, good. My the cheese and the going, salt you, and you the fat. Know, right? and the, so oh, look, it's like tongue fireworks. <laughs> mm, yes. So that well, another one in, in our families. But now he's starting to eat more steak. He loves grilled chicken and broccoli. And I tell people this and they don't believe me. And I'm like, no, no, like grilled chicken, broccoli and rice is now one of his favorite foods. And they're like, really? He's a kid that didn't used to eat anything. Yeah. And you're like, yes, guess what? People change. Because you know why? You didn't shame him for not eating stuff. And I think that's where, Joanne, like you're, you're there mm-hmm. are people in the world that will shame their kids for not eating their vegetables, everything. And not, now, and granted, we grew up in that generation. I did it when my kids were really little where I was like, you're not getting up from this table until you've eaten everything that's on your plate. Mm-hmm. Or starving kids in Africa. All of that came out of mm-hmm. my mouth. Well, I know people who do that too. I won't mention them. Oh, you got to eat something. You got to eat something. But I also know that person's doing it out of fear because this is a four-year-old she's talking about and the four-year-old becomes massively cranky if he doesn't eat when he needs to. Right. But but there's a difference between trying to get food in your kid, right? Because you know that their blood sugar is going to drop and, oh my God, where's the greens on your plate? You're a bad kid because you don't like green beans or broccoli or salad or peas. Like, not that I'm speaking from experience, but, you know, I'm just saying. Well, here's the other thing. The other thing that gets me about all these food things, um, a lot of in the natural world, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, there's all these GMOs and stuff. And there's all of these, like, additive ingredients. And my whole thinking of this was turned when I when I was, like, just starting the blog. They had a tour of Arizona dairy farms because they were trying to do a marketing campaign. And so we went to one of these Arizona dairy farms, and we're talking to the farmers. And he's like, you know, people complain about these GMOs, but do you know that the only way they are able to, like, feed people and prevent against scurvy is actually this GMO called uh, golden rice, which they make. Um, where they're able to put in, um, and I can't remember, maybe it's iron in the rice. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that one. But because of these advances, people in underprivileged countries and underprivileged areas are able to get nutrients Mm -hmm. and the food that they need because they genetically modify the food. And I think that that is so overlooked in this whole process. Like it's really a privileged thing when you hear about like, oh, don't eat the additives, don't eat these. And it's the privilege of being able to like completely devote your whole life to thinking about your kid's food when most people can't do that. It's a modern mom problem. (laughs) You got it, Brie. Bam! Add it to the list. But it so is. It so, it so is. At the end of the day, we are all trying. I like, I just saw a an Instagram reel this morning from, oh my gosh, now I'm forgetting. It, it was Abby and shoot, Glennon Doyle. Yeah. And they were all like, you know what? Being a parent is the biggest farce because like we tell our kids, don't worry. We got it. We got it. We don't got it. We don't know. We are all trying our darn best. We are just trying our best. At the end of the day, we are just trying to get our kids through so that they are happy and healthy. We are. 
and can make up their own minds. That's pretty much like my goal. If you, That's it. Right? That's it. That, as, as long as my son feels good about himself right. and he feels happy with That's himself and it. then that happiness will obviously extend to the people around him and his mm-hmm. treatment of them. That, that's it. And if that means that they eat sugar and they eat non-organic food and they get screen time mm-hmm. and I let them go outside without a jacket when it's cold out, that's life. You like that one? I put that's that one it. in there for you, Joanne. Amen. That <laughs> is life. There's all the modern mom problems that we're dealing with now. Um, it's like, it's a lot. So Tara, to finish this off, what are you looking forward to right now in your life? What am I looking forward to? From a personal standpoint, my my son's a tween now, and I'm looking forward to spending as much time with him until he, you know, like really gets to be like a proper teenager where he's like, mom, leave me alone, you know, and he wants to hang out with his friends. But he and I are very close. Like my husband, the three of us are, are very close and we have a great family unit. So I love spending time with my family. And then from a professional standpoint, what do I like to do? I like to speak with wonderful people like you. I, you know, I, I love to come on podcasts and chat about this, have people on my podcast and, and talk about the modern mom problems in the hope that we could either find solutions for them. And if we can't find solutions for them, at least we're having fun talking about them, which is just as important. It is. It is really important to get it out, make people feel less alone. Well, thank you so much, Tara, for joining us here. And you're going to be in the Happy Mom Summit with us in March. Get your ticket now. I mean, we have a link for you right under this podcast. It's a free ticket. And uh, Tara, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, I could go on and on about what we feed our kids, Brie. Well, (laughs) I could go on and on too about the whole – like. so I'm just going to say like the big thing that the conversations we have in our household with our kids – is that your tastes are going to change over time. So Mm -hmm. you should periodically be trying different stuff because your tastes are going to change. You don't like broccoli right now? No worries. No worries. One day you might. And if you don't, it's fine. I like that conversation. The other thing we talk about is how people need to poop. And (laughs) (laughs) if you eat too much of like stuff without fiber and if you don't drink enough water you're gonna find it really hard to poop and you're gonna have a lot of stomach aches so just you know bear in mind that you need to poop and try those things out no i think that's a great conversation because you have a diet of nothing but like crackers and apples and bananas and rice and you're gonna be like why haven't i pooped in a week well as yeah there's a reason for that toilet for an hour it's no fun it's no fun at all so get get those things I think in. so many so many of our of our parenting dilemmas that we have could be lessened in terms of for us as parents if we would just have more conversations with our kids. Now I'm not saying that's gonna make our kids listen, but mm-hmm. having those the more often you're having those honest conversations, the more that they are going to eventually start listening. Even if it's like God, mom, you're so stupid. And then later they're all like, oh, geez, I better, eat, better drink some water. I haven't pooped in like a day. You know, whatever it is, right? Like they'll, they will secretly start to hear it mm-hmm. and or they'll realize that, again, because it all depends on how you have the conversation, but it's about helping them learn things because they're not going to naturally know that stuff. They're not. Kids no, are not going to seek out that information. They're just not. It really ties into this natural consequences. I think a lot of parents see like their kids be constipated and they're like, okay, I need to make you eat your veggies now. So you're not constipated. So you cannot eat your veggies 
if you don't eat your veggies, you're not going to get dessert. Like that totally backfires because kids never learn control over their own bodies that way. But when you put it in a thing like, hey, so mm, you were on the toilet for an hour. You know why that is? You need a little bit more fiber. You need a little bit more water. If you want to fix that issue, here's what you need to do. But your choice. Yeah. And I think it comes to the same thing with screen time when you're dealing, like we Mm -hmm. talked about that in this episode, when you're dealing with a lot of issues with screen time, there are a lot of great conversations you could be having about it. And I, one thing that I've always loved that you've done with your kids is you talk to them about how they feel, Mm -hmm. which is something I think a lot of us miss. Like I talk to my, my daughter a lot because she goes on a lot of the social media websites. I talk to her a lot about the whole, like, beware predators, like people asking you for things that shouldn't be, um, you know, saying negative comments, they they come back to get you, like, or putting up, like, embarrassing videos. Be aware of these things. But you talk a lot about, like, how it makes you feel, which I think is, mm-hmm. is a huge thing that gets missed with a lot of us as parents because we worry about the predator, but we don't always worry about the how that's, that mental health is being affected. Yeah. The way I, I just tell my own experiences to my kids and then I'm like, are you doing okay? And usually the first few times you ask kids that question, they'll be like, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm not you, mom. <laughs> I'm not you. I'm not you. I'm not you. Did I, I am not there? an adult now in 2024. I'm a teen and you don't know what it's like to be a teen in 2024. <laughs> so. I don't get those words exactly, but I do get that I don't know. I don't know. That could be a I little, little over exaggerating on my part, but yes. <laughs> It's how it is. It's how it is. It's, it's, it's what's just, being said, even if it's not being said verbally. It's what's being said mentally. But yeah, so I mean, like, it. there's so many things that we could help make better by just having honest conversations with our kids. And that includes, yeah, I messed up and probably didn't handle that situation last weekend the best. I, I, I'm going off into a little bit of a tangent there, like in a, in a little bit of a different direction. But the point being is like, having these honest conversations with our kids, I feel like can go really, really far. But like I also said in the podcast, come talk to me in 20 years and I'll tell you whether or not this process worked. I don't know. Well, I, I had to apologize yesterday because I told you I was, I've been missing, missing appointments lately. I've been like very, cause I, the workload has increased on my own choices to get, to get more outcomes out of it here at No Guilt Mom, doing a lot more things. And I've been forgetting things. I was late to a thing with you. I thought it was at a different time. And then yesterday I was so consumed in doing a video that my phone started ringing in the middle of my video. It was my daughter and I had forgotten to pick her up from school. Now she's 15. Yeah, it's not like I, it's a huge issue. Don't freak out. It's not, not like she issue. was sitting there by herself. <laughs> yeah, she's 15. She's fine. But she got – she's like, I just don't like being forgotten. And I it really triggered me because I'm like, I didn't forget you. I have so many things I have to do can you just give me a little grace or a little like, you know, don't yeah. yell at me immediately. And we got into this huge argument. We we're just arguing in the car. And then I left and I, I came back up like 30 minutes later. I'm like, I am sorry. I lost track of time. I've been doing that a lot lately. My response was more frustration at me than at you. And I'm sorry. And she's like, it's okay. I'm sorry too. Cause like what that whole interaction taught her that a people are allowed to make mistakes. B that if you've if you feel like you didn't handle the situation the way you would have liked to, then you can do things to repair it, right? Mm-hmm. And that yeah. you do value her her feelings and your guys' relationship, all that right there. Like I didn't tell you this, but I was late too. Like I, I had yeah. to pick up my daughter from school yesterday, which you know I don't do anymore because her brother normally drives, yeah. but he was homesick yesterday. I was late going to get her to pick her up. 
And when I got there, she was, she had already walked also in high school. She had already walked across the school parking lot and was over like where I just came in. So like mm-hmm. I pull in the parking lot. First thing I see is crossed arms. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just staring me down. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the? And she gets in the car and I thought she'd be excited because I had her learner's permit that had just come in the mail. I'm like, oh my God, look at this. And she's all, whatever. I'm like, why are you so angry? Nothing. I just, it, it was like, I just don't like being the last one to be picked up. And I looked around mm-hmm. and she goes, well, yes, I'm exaggerating a little bit because it, I was like two minutes late. I wasn't, I was oh, two minutes late. Yeah. And I'm like, I, it couldn't be helped. I hit every red light. And she's like, you could have left earlier. And I was quiet for a minute and I went, you know what? You're right. But it's been a long time since I've had to pick you up from school. I wasn't expecting this to happen today. My schedule is no longer made where I get to leave every day at two to come get you. And then she was like, fine, I'm sorry. Fine. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, so it was a, yeah, it was a late day yesterday for all of us in, in Gilbert, day. Arizona. Exactly. <laughs> so if you haven't already, get your Happy Mom Summit ticket. Yes. It's right below here. It's going to be so much or, fun. Yeah. It is going to be so much fun. And we go on live every single morning in the group. We're on live for Q&As with the speakers. Like you get me and Brie a lot, a lot, a lot. So if you really enjoy this podcast, you're going to love the Happy Mom Summit. It's like the podcast on steroids, really, truly. And until next time, remember, the best mom's a happy mom. Take care of you. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 